to Between a Rock and a Hard Place. I'm Hannah. And I'm Colleen, and we're here to tell you a little bit about life in Iraq. Woohoo! Welcome back, Hannah. Thanks. You were gone a lot over the last few months. I was. Not all of it relevant to this podcast, but some of it. But some of it was, because you went to Iraq. I did. Which I will say is one of the most fun things to tell people randomly when they ask, oh, you know, how are your roommates? Oh, my roommate Hannah, she's in Iraq. And they're like, what? It's true. I went to a meeting of a different volunteer organization this week, and people were like, we haven't seen you around. Where have you been? And I was like, well, I was out of the country. And they're like, oh, where did you go? And I was like, I went to the Middle East. Oh, where in the Middle East? I went to Iraq. And they're all like, Oh, I have no follow-up question. Well, some of them had follow-up questions, but... But yeah, it definitely is a, a little on the shocking end of things. Why, Hannah, would you ever go to such a country? <laughs> I mean, aside from the previous, you know, 50-ish... Ep- how many episodes have we done? <laughs> I don't remember. We're going to call it 50 because that feels right to me. Um... This particular time, Uh it was to visit with our staff who are living in Iraq. And, you know, some of the other folks that we work with in Iraq as well. So it wasn't just hanging out with Americans time. We also hung out with some British people. Oh. And some Kurdish people. And some Kurdish people. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah, and I think for both you and I, that was one of the things we really appreciated about Servant Group in our time living in Iraq, was that, you know, the director at the time and someone else, at least one other person, usually came and visited us once or twice a year. Yeah. Um, And so it's kind of fun to get to be the person who does the visiting now. Yeah, yeah. Feels powerful. (laughs) I mean, it actually sometimes makes me really nervous to be like, okay, I gotta gotta be as good as Lisa was. (laughs) It's a lot of pressure. Yeah, yeah. I think it was key having people come and be able to see the changes that had happened over time and the ways we maybe grew as teachers or the ways our classes had grown or the changes in the schools. Some of the changes that were good in ways that we couldn't see because we're like on the ground and like it happens incrementally. Mm -hmm. And then also just a better understanding of what day-to-day life looks like and the challenges of the things that happen on a day-to-day life, whether that's acquiring water or, you know, using the right amount of electricity to not flip your breaker or all of the other things that we run into that don't always get communicated in a weekly phone call. Sure. Because they're just the detritus of life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can remember on probably one of the first trips that Dave and Lisa made feeling like, oh, they're going to come and like sit in my classroom and watch me teach. And I've ever taught before. And they're going to be like super critical and like, it's going to be terrible. The judgment is going to come. Yeah. And it was 100% the opposite of that. Um, And it was kind of interesting on this trip, our newest staff member, I think kind of felt the same way about us coming to visit. Yeah. 
Uh, we got a lot of text messages and emails ahead of time of like, so what are you expecting to do? Like, <laughs> what do you need from me? And then I told him I was going to come sit in on one of, the, one of his classes. And he was like, okay, like, are you going to like give me, like, do you report me to the administration? Like, is this just, and I was like, no, it's just me coming to sit in on your class to see what you're like as a teacher, what the students are like. If there's some way I can help you and give you advice, I'm happy to do that. But really, I just want to, I just want to observe this is part of your life. and I want to observe it. He was like, okay. But <laughs> hopefully by the end you had communicated that like, yeah. you guys are there to be a blessing and an encouragement and mm -hmm. to be a witness. Like that, that phrase observe, like, yeah. I think a big part of what we need as as people is that there are witnesses to our lives yeah yeah I think that's definitely a big part of it I think it also really helps establish trust between them and us mm -hmm. um, because while John and I have both lived there in the past and it is known to the team I think seeing us be there and be part of their lives and not and not be critical or not be uh demanding it really helps them feel like they can trust us because we're not just saying hey we care about you it's like hey i showed up here in your life today and you know we took you out to dinner or we took you on a little adventure or whatever um yeah the visits from dave and lisa or Kay or any of the others that we've had you know over the years um were always times where the people visiting like were there to treat us well mm -hmm. and like to yeah we always would go out to dinner we do fun uh, you know special things and spend time just talking or visiting some site or like it, yeah. it was not just uh now we have to take care of these you know american people it was never that it was they've actually come to step into our lives and take care of us yeah I remember on probably Dave and Lisa's first visit to me while I was in the country, uh, Dave wanted to take Andy, he wanted to take one of the other staff members and, and me to a music store so that we could get guitars because we both played and he was like, oh, it's really important for you to have a guitar, like I, SGI will provide it for you. And I was like, oh great, I know this music shop nearby. I have been living in the country for maybe, maybe three months at that point. But I was like, yes, 100%. I am confident I can get you there. Um, I've been there once. And so we got in taxis and I told them where to go because I knew the nearest landmark to it. But the taxi took us in like a totally different way. <gasps> and like, instead of dropping us off on the side that I was used to of this landmark, he dropped us off on a different side. And I was like, I have no idea where we are. <laughs> I don't know where we are. I don't know how to get to the place that I know. None of us spoke any Kurdish because it was Dave and Andy and I. And Andy no, and I had been in the no. country for two months, three months. And so we ended up walking around in probably a hundred degree heat wandering around looking for this music store and like occasionally stopping and asking like do you know 
uh, Dukan with like and the play the guitar air guitar, air guitar thing motions. happening. <laughs> and I think we finally found someone who called a friend who spoke English, and we were able to ask the question <laughs> through the and phone they, translate. They were like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." So you're gonna go down the street that you're on, and then you're gonna turn left. And it was like, but where? <laughs> where do we turn left? And it was just like, well, it's just you'll you'll see it, you'll see it. <laughs> and it was like, okay, I guess off we go to try to find this music store. And they were right. It was like we went down the road, we took the first left, and as soon as you take that left, you saw the music store. And it was like, oh, thank goodness, so we you were made close. It. We were really close. And I think Dave gave me a hard time about that for the rest of that trip. He would be like, well, don't ask Hannah where to go. <laughs> I think I finally redeemed myself eventually after I had lived there. And I was like, no, I do actually know how to get places now. Um, but yeah, but it was like, that was one of those bonding times of like, you're here lost in this country with me. And we are both experiencing this like... I don't know where to get where I'm going. I don't know how to ask for help. I don't know where I am, but you're helping me figure this out. Yeah. And as much as Dave gave you a hard time for it, it was all in good it fun. It was not in good fun. in actual frustration or judgment. No, no. Not at all. I think he even stopped at one of the shops and was like, here, water for everyone. We're all super dehydrated. <laughs> Um, and we got our guitars. So, and you know, got guitars. happy, happy. We like to take good care of our, our, our team members. So another one of the things that we do is we bring stuff to them. Mm -hmm. um, so I filled my suitcase this time with about 20 pounds of brown sugar. Yeah. Which was the only thing that really got asked for, which is, is fine. It's fine. I'm happy to bring brown sugar. I think maybe someone who did a security check on my bag was like, what in <laughs> the world? Um, and all of my clothes smelled like brown sugar the rest of the trip. It was awesome. Oh, that doesn't sound awesome to me. It but was sure. so great. Brown sugar smells so good. I mean, it does, but I don't think I would want my clothes to smell like it. Yeah. But one of the weird things was when you and I lived there, there were specific things that we were like, we cannot find this anywhere. Yeah. This does not exist here. And we went into one of the shops with our team and it was like, you can buy brown sugar here. Oh. It costs like $10 for half a pound. So oh. it's not cost effective. It's a little expensive. But you couldn't get it at all. No. And they, they had like all kinds of weird like keto stuff and sugar substitutes and wow. I mean I it mean, was not a cheap when store. I first but... went people were asking people to bring in peanut butter because you couldn't get peanut butter. Yeah you could get peanut butter. I mean by the end of my time there I could get peanut butter. But... I, I think they even had fruity pebbles which oh, I goodness. feel like you can't get in every grocery store in America. Right. Not that I look for them. Really? Often. I think that that was kind of a, a fun aspect of it for me was like what are things that I know that they can get that I don't have to think about bringing them or things that they could get here, but it's too expensive that I can be like, well, let me just, let me just buy it for you. Like, yeah. This will make your life more convenient and easy. Yeah. Um, how can we problem solve this for you? 
And I think John got wrangled into actually fixing a couple things in the the women's apartment. Yeah. That they I'm were sure. like, hey, you're an engineer. <laughs> can <laughs> you, can you fix things. this? And he did, happily. Yeah, yeah. I think the other things that often we end up bringing over are packages from family members mm-hmm. or sometimes mail letters and cards birthday cards sometimes or mm-hmm. Christmas cards and um, I know when my family came to visit me my mom and my sister came they brought me Christmas decorations nice um, that was super fun and uh, books we would do a lot of books yeah. because the the whole digital reading was a less common solution mm-hmm. um, to the the lack of you know your local public library. Yeah, I, I think it changes, maybe not year to year, but it changes frequently enough that it's like, oh, this thing that, like, in my mind, I will say, the one thing that has not changed is chocolate chips. Oh. You still cannot get chocolate chips there. How odd. I mean, you can buy chocolate and chop it chop up. Chop it up. I mean, which, it does work. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think they melt. I think that's the problem when they get shipped. Because they don't plan to ship them in the refrigerated units the way they do the chocolate bars from Europe. And maybe chocolate chips are like a surprisingly American thing. Maybe. I don't know. I've never tried to make chocolate chip cookies in Europe. No. Me neither. Never lived in Europe. Me either. (laughs) We'll have to find out. If you live in Europe, let us know. Can you get chocolate chips? Semi-sweet ones. Semi-sweet chocolate chips. Yeah. So the number one way that we get new people in Iraq is by other people telling them about Iraq. So maybe you're not interested in going, but maybe you know someone who is. Tell them about this podcast. Tell them about Serving Group International. It'd be a big help. One of the other things we did on our trip was we, well, we did a lot of things, but we uh, took the team out with our Kurdish friend to his farm for the day. Yes. Um, and so for for our newest team member, it was his first time outside of the city that he's been living in, uh-huh. into the countryside. And we went with our, our good, this guy's been working with Servant Group since for like 20 years, I think. Yeah, forever. He is hilarious and really fun, and his family is lovely, and they're, like, used to Americans and our weird quirkiness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so he took us out to his farm, about a 45-minute drive outside of town, and we had a very Kurdish sort of day, which I think (laughs) was a little, I think our team was a little worn out. Um, They'd had a really busy week, but I think they also enjoyed, like... We wandered through his fruit orchards and looked at his new building projects and he talked to us about like the villages and it was really close to like an oil refinery and so he told us all about that. I felt like I learned a lot. Um, it was also on like a small river, the Zab. The Zab? The Little Zab? The, the little, Greater Zab? The Little Zab. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of cool. I'd never really been... Aside from, like, picnic bus tours. Yeah. I've never really been that close to a river. 
in Iraq. Um, and so I felt like it was a good chance for our, our new team members especially, but even the, the older ones, to be like, this is very Kurdish, and it's beautiful in spite of the fact that it's 102 degrees outside. <laughs> there you go. And it's very different from the city, it which is. is where our team members live, mm-hmm. is in the city. And a lot of those resources and a lot of those amenities don't exist the same way out in the villages as the way they do in the city. Right. Like uh, his house didn't have air conditioning. In the rooms that we were in, at least, I don't think there was even splits, the air conditioning heating units. Um, But he cleverly made almost like central air. Yeah. By creating vents like when they built the house putting vents in and then he has swamp coolers yeah swamp that coolers blow work great into the vents and throughout the whole house mm-hmm. so if the swamp coolers are on it cools the whole house and i had never seen that in a kurdish house before and oh, i was really? like this is brilliant one of the houses i lived in in iraq had had yeah. a swamp cooler i mean i've seen the swamp coolers but not like hooked up to a central air system yeah. like it was that. definitely connected to things yeah. Um, but yeah, it's amazing how well swamp coolers work in a really, really dry environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was impressive. And you could tell when they were like out or when the power was out. It was like, oh, it is uncomfortable. Not awful, but uncomfortable. It was a lot of fun hanging out with him and his family. Um, they also did a very Kurdish, we did a, a barbecue. Uh-huh. Um, with lamb and chicken skewers, tikka. There you go. Did it have the the little grill pan with the the fan that you spin and you turn okay. really fast? So to it blow? had the little grill pan, which is like maybe a foot and a half long and seven eight inches wide, mm-hmm. and then they put like charcoal wood charcoal on the bottom. But instead of having the little fan that you like crank the handle and it blows they he updated his methodology oh really and he has a tiny little blower that's maybe it was like child like a child-sized leaf blower <laughs> okay yeah that he plugged into his house and he just stood there with his leaf blower and blew on the coals with the leaf blower until they got red hot oh wow it was like much more energy efficient i mean because i have seen people without the little crank fan ones Mm -hmm. just do it with paper or their lungs and it always seems like a lot of work yeah well this was very uh very efficient and Mm -hmm. he made john stand and heat up the coals that was john's (laughs) job i've never been more thankful to be a woman than that day (laughs) when i was like i don't have to touch the meat i don't have to deal with the coals i can just sit here and drink my cold water and watch the men sweat over this do the barbecue delightful (laughs) i had a new thing for a kurdish barbecue at least um i've done this in the u.s but a grilled onion Mm -hmm. um which was exciting so they took a bunch of onions and put them on the skewer like they do with the meat and just cooked them over the coals like that yeah so you have to like peel the outer they leave the outer papery skin on wait You've never seen that before? I've never seen it with a whole onion. Huh. 
I've seen it with like pieces of onion or like they'll quarter the onion and skewer the quarter. But this was like an entire onion. Yeah. And like so. I've done it in the U.S. where we wrap them in aluminum foil and put them in the coals of a, a charcoal grill. But yeah, I've never seen it. I wonder it. if that's just more of a, a Eastern Kurdistan thing. Yeah. I think it must be a Suli thing because they're from Suli originally. But his mom, I think, was like, I want an onion. Put an onion on the grill for me. And then he was like, does anyone else want an onion? And I was like, oh, me, I want an onion. And so he just did a whole skewer of them for The whole us. skewer of onions. And I think it made his mother happy that I was like, yeah, grill me an onion too, man. <laughs> yeah, it was really fun. And I mean, we did other things besides just team check-in. We used that, those visits as a reconnection in person with the school administration. Mm-hmm. Um, There were some new administrators that I had never met before, so it was really good to meet them. While we were there, they asked us to do some teacher evaluations. So just sitting in a classroom watching non-American teachers teach. And that was really fun for me because a year ago I did teacher training. So I got to sit in for some of the teachers that I had trained. And so I could be like, hey, they listened or... Maybe we, there are more things we need to go over, like, next time. But, yeah, even just, like you said, to see the changes in the school um, and the improvements in the school. And it's definitely very improved since we were there. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the quality, at least of the teachers that I saw, was has, has gotten a lot better. Good. And I think it made our staff feel better, too, um, because I did sit in on three of their classes, Mm -hmm. um, one class for each of our staff members. And so I think they felt like, oh, you're not just sitting in on our classes. You're also sitting in on like normal classes, Kurdish. Kurdish talk classes. I did sit in on a Kurdish class and I was like, I don't know how to evaluate this. I don't (laughs) know what they're saying. (laughs) But then I realized I was in the wrong place. Mm. And I was like, oh. He's, he ran over his time. It's not my fault. Aha! Like, so, I'd like to evaluate this teacher mm-hmm. on his usage of time. Yes. Yes. I did I did note that on my uh, paper, evaluation paper. Your evaluation like, form. I only got to observe this teacher for, like, five minutes because a previous teacher ran over. Oh, we also went and visited slash met for the first time. Um... Well, I met for the first time. Some some new folks that we're partnering with in Suli. Yeah, and so that's kind of an aspect that I think when I lived in Iraq, I didn't really realize that maybe Dave and Lisa were doing was like connecting with other people who were not part of the schools or any of that and, mm-hmm. and making those connections. Um, so again, it was kind of like, getting a peek behind the curtain except like I'm already on the other side of the curtain (laughs) Anna you are the other side of the curtain I know it's so weird yeah and then we also got to go to church with our team which was new for John I'd I'd been when I was there a year ago right um but our team really like in all of the talks that we had with them up to that point 
we're really like, we really want you to come to church. We really want you to see what it's like and have this experience. Yeah, so we did. And I think it was, again, one of those things that's like encouraging to them, gives us a better picture of like, just what church life is like yeah. for them. Was it what you expected? Like, in the sense of it felt like an American church service? Or was it different than your, I don't know, the, saying a standard American church <laughs> service seems a little bit silly. Right. Because there is not a standard, but. I think it very much, and it's a Baptist church. Okay. And so I was like, yep, this is a Baptist church. Okay. It seems so it, very much like a Baptist church. No major surprises. In no that major sense. surprises, except there were uh, a group of, I think they were Pakistani guys in the back who were having the sermon translated for them. Nice. Um, which I don't really see in American churches. No, very often. really? Yeah, and it took me a minute to be like, what is going on? Because there was one guy with, like, the sheaf of papers that he was flipping through and talking, like, whispering quietly with the other guys. And I was like, are they doing, like, some kind of paperwork in church? And then I was like, oh, no, (laughs) he has all the sermon notes. (laughs) And so he's, like, translating the sermon while it's being given to these guys. Nice. Okay, cool. I love it. I love... I love international church. It was really cool. They um, they also have a QR code that you can scan and choose your language to have the sermon translated to on your phone. So you can listen on your phone with your headphones to a live translation. Wow. Um, and it, I think it's only in like Arabic and Spanish and maybe Kurdish. Yeah. Which is why the Pakistani guys had their own personal translator um but yeah i was like what a cool thing yeah not a thing that existed when i lived there Mm -mm. i ran into that when i spent a couple summers in japan the church there did Mm -hmm. did that but yeah never in iraq the joys of technology sounds like you had a good time yeah it was a good time it was short it was shorter than our trips usually are but we also usually, if we're going that far, go to like several different places. And so this trip, we really only went to Kurdistan and we were primarily in Halair, except for the day trip that we did down to Suli. So it felt nice to just kind of be able to be in one place most of the time. Yeah. Not, you know, Greece and a different place in Greece and then Iraq and then a different place in Iraq and then a different place in Iraq. And then in Turkey. And, and then, then in Turkey, <laughs> yeah. I feel like it wasn't as... It was intense in that it was short, but it wasn't intense in that it was like, I have been traveling for three weeks and haven't slept in the same bed for two nights in a row for 80% of this trip. Oh. He didn't seem to have too much trouble with uh, the jet lag coming back and it seemed okay. to recover okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. The worst part of the trip was Chicago, but <laughs> we're not going to talk about that. Okay. I think we all have our favorite and least favorite airports at this point. Yeah. It's one of those things that's like, I know better. I know better than to fly through Chicago. And yet. And yet. I keep Sometimes. doing it. It's the cheap way to go. It is the cheap way. Or the shortest, like, 
travel time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so are you going to go with me in the spring? I'd love to. I'm working really hard on getting enough volunteers lined up for my English classes that I can leave them. That would be awesome. That's my hope and my plan. And then we'll do a podcast from <gasps> Iraq. That would be so much fun. We should totally do that. Yeah. All right. So you got to get the time off where the volunteers to fill in. Yeah. And uh, I got to remember to bring the microphone. So, you know, my job is the harder of the two for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. But more suitcases to bring more gifts to our Iraq staff is also more fun. It is more fun. All right. You heard it here first, folks. Next podcast from a no no we we're gonna record one before then. That's Fu- gonna be the future, spring. A future podcast, not live streamed from Iraq. We could do a live stream. No, we can't. I don't want to. It could be fun. No, the filter is very important for me because sometimes I say things that should not be on the podcast, <laughs> and I can edit them. Okay. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us at Servant Group International on Facebook or Instagram, and you should check out our blog and complete transcripts over at servantgroup.org. And it's really helpful for us if you share our podcast or leave a review on whatever platform you listen to this podcast on. It helps us know that people are listening, and you can let us know what you want to hear next. Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening. Just Chicago, man. Something always goes wrong.